Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Lord, thank you for the words of that song and the reminder that there is no limits of your love. God, for us, for our city, for our world. God, we thank you. God, that You love us. And God, this morning that You wanna speak to us. God, You wanna stir us. God, that You wanna speak into the parts of our lives. So God, we just pray. Lord, our hearts are open. We desire to hear from Your Spirit this morning. In Jesus' mighty Name, Amen, Amen, Amen. Thanks, team. How is everyone this morning? Good. There's seven people that are good and everyone else. It's great to have you all here this morning. Hey, uh, just got some really exciting announcements before I get into, uh, get into my box. Uh, I, we have a very, very special couple. Actually, we've got a lot of very special couples in life at church. But there is one particular special couple. Uh, and I want to invite up to stand up Ivan and Beth. And they have some really exciting news that they've asked me to share with all of us. They are expecting a little baby Chino. A little baby is on the way. So congratulations, guys. We're so excited for the little baby that is coming your way. And it is a little baby boy too. So it's going to be a little baby Ivan. Just with a beard and, no, no, in time, in time. So we're so excited for you guys. We're praying for you and we're celebrating with you this, this little God send that's God sent to you and your family. So well done. Super congratulations. Hey, let's give him a hand. All right, let me just quickly get everything sorted and set. You know, you do things in your head, it wakes way, it's, it's way easier to do than, than in real life. This is one of those moments. Hey, we are, we are starting, as Emma said, we're starting a brand new series today called No Limits. Now, the, the big idea for each one of us is this. I reckon that each and every one of us put limits in our heads and our hearts over what we think that we can do, we, we, the things that we can achieve, the, th- the ways that we can help, the things that we can give. But I actually reckon more than that, we also limit what we think God can do. If we're honest with ourselves, you know, we, we recognize that this year has been one of those years where it's been a year of boxes and limitations, where it's been put all around us. I mean, if you think about it, you know, it, we've been limited by the boxes and limited by the things where, we, you know, the borders are being closed and so we're not allowed to go certain places. You know, we've been limited by, by how many people were allowed to kind of to gather together and, and, the, and the things that we're able to do. We've been limited uh, on, on a whole range of things. We've been limited on how many people can come to church. You know, it's weird, but it's kind of exciting, but it's kind of weird to go, welcome to a packed house. It's not really packed, but welcome to a full COVID uh, number of people that are allowed to come to a campus. You know, one of the exciting things, but one of the really big challenges is that 63 people fills up really quickly. And we're finding that on a Wednesday or a Thursday each week, numbers are full. And then I get all of the text messages and phone calls from all of you and everyone else that isn't here and having to listen to me on a podcast. And, and they're going, we were trying to book and we couldn't get tickets. And I have to explain, yes, I know, it's really annoying. 
But we have been, we've found ourselves in a whole lot of places of limitations. It's limited how many people we can have in services. It limits, it's limited our movements and it's limited our ministry. We've all found ourselves in boxes of limitation. But I believe as we walk into this series, and the reason why we're doing this series now is because what we feel like God's wanting to say is that He's wanting to remind us that, yes, we have been limited, but we believe in a God who knows no limits. You know, we've found ourselves in captivity and limitations, but we believe in a God who knows no limits. And so as we walk into this series... We're going to be talking about some of the limitations that we impose on God, some of the, the limitations that we impose on each other. And we're going, to, we're going to go on a journey desiring and seeking that God will take off these self-imposed limitations in our lives and allow us to walk into the lives that God has got for us. You know, our prayer is that as some of the limitations come off and some of the restrictions come off COVID, that we will also begin to take some of the restrictions off ourselves, but most importantly, off our God. So what we're going to do this morning is we jump into Acts chapter 10. We're going to look at this incredible story together this morning. But let me paint a little bit of a picture before we jump into it. Uh, let me paint a little bit of picture of what was going on. This story happens 2,000, just over 2,000 years ago. And it was a, <coughs> excuse me. It was a moment in time where, where uh, God pioneered a way, a way that opened up an opportunity for, for us to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, up until this point, there was only two groups of people who were able to, who were able to, to hear about the good news and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that was a select group of Jews and one Ethiopian eunuch. Now, as I look around the room this morning, there's probably not a lot of Jews and most guys are crossing the legs right now hoping that, and praying that one day they'll never become an Ethiopian eunuch or a eunuch at all. If you don't know what a eunuch is, it's where the manlyhood has been cut off. And so it's never a pleasant experience. And so up until this point in time in Acts chapter 10, that's the only two groups of people there is. There's a bunch of Jews and one Ethiopian eunuch and that's it. That was all that had been able to hear the good news of what Jesus had done and received the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there was a select group, a small, super small group of people who heard and had the privilege of hearing about it. And that was up until this moment in Acts chapter 10. And we, 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 we read about a guy by the name of, of, of Peter. Now, Peter was a Jew. Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. And Peter was a leader. And so, and so God comes to, to Peter in a vision. And, 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 and in this vision, you know that Peter's a bloke because, because in the vision, uh, in the vision, God comes to him and he shows him this platter of meat. Now you can understand that's why it was, a, you know, we know that Peter's because he's the only, you know, like the dream about having meat. Now I would love to do that anyway. And so, you know, he, there's, in this vision, there's this platter of, of all sorts of specific meats. 
And there's, there's a whole lot of, you know, on here is like, is a, a, a roast pork with most cra- beautiful crackling with just, you know, a little bit of appropriate rot of salt. Not too much salt, but not too little salt, but just the appropriate amount of salt. There's like a, there's a pepperoni pizza and there's a whole lot of different shellfish and seafood. And, and Peter here is, is kind of, he's stuck in this dream and he's, and he's realizing and, he, and he's seeing that the, all of these meats that, that is shown in this vision given to him by God, none of them are right. None of them are appropriate. All of them are off limits because he's a Jew. All of them are unclean in his eyes and Jewish eyes. And God gives him a picture and he says, I want you to go and eat, kill these things and eat them. And Peter steps back and goes, whoa, 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 whoa. hold on a second. God, do you know? Because I mean, I know, and you're smarter than I am. You should know this, that like as Jews, we're not allowed to have bacon. We're not allowed to have pepperoni pizzas. We're not allowed to have pork crackling or anything else like that. And we're not allowed to have shellfish and everything else. And God, you should know that these things. And, and, and all of a sudden, he's having this conversation with God. And God pipes back up to him. And he says this, don't call anything unclean that I've made clean. So Peter here is trying to discover. And he's trying to figure out what God is saying. He's going, you know, he gives, he, he gets this picture of all this, this, this platter full of, of, of all this, this specific meats that he's now not allowed to have. And then Peter in the middle, uh, God in the middle of this says to Peter, and Peter, what I want you to do is I want you to go on a trip with a bunch of strangers. Peter goes, whoa, 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 don't you know, I mean, God, like my parents used to teach me this whole thing about stranger danger. And like they're strange and dangerous and they're not even Jews. And why would you ask me to go on a thing with a bunch of Jews? And you've also given me this, all this meat that I'm not supposed to happen. God, I don't even know what you're talking about. God, what do you want about? And everything else. And, and, and Peter is sitting there going, God, this is all inappropriate. God, this is all wrong. And, and God, do you not know that this isn't what's supposed to happen and what I'm not supposed to do? Because Peter realized in that moment that all the things God was asking him to do would make him ceremonially unclean. We don't get that kind of in 2020 today. But in, for, for a Jew, what that meant is he was no longer allowed to go into the temple because he was ceremonially unclean. He wasn't allowed to worship. He wasn't allowed to, to gather with other Christians. He wasn't able to ask forgiveness from God because he wasn't able to go into the temple. And to make it worse, God tells Peter, what I want you to do is I want you to go on this trip and I want you to go and we're going to visit a man by the name of Cornelius. Has anyone ever met Cornelius? I just wanted to check. Uh, and, and so Peter, you know, Peter here says, I want you to go and meet Cornelius. This is the second thing, that, or the third or the fourth thing that makes it not appropriate, is that Cornelius wasn't a Jew. Cornelius was a Roman. Not only was Cornelius a Roman, but he was a Roman centurion. He was, he was a Roman uh, military leader. And, and, and again, Peter pops back and goes, whoa, 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 God, do you not know how inappropriate this is and how wrong this is? In fact, Peter, do you not know, uh, God, do you not know that, that, that he is our arch enemy? I mean, the Romans had come and invaded us and they'd taken over our nation and they've, they've imprisoned us and they've enslaved us and there's all of this stuff going on. And, and God, God, that's all wrong. We don't even like these people. God, why would I even choose to go. I would never choose to to go and see someone like him because he realizes what that would mean. That again, he'd be more ceremonially unclean, unable to go to God. Have you ever noticed that we think sometimes, sorry, we, we, we think we know better than God sometimes? 
Now, I know some of you are thinking, you know what, I would never think such things. And if you do think that, then you are a far better human being and Christian than I am. But I know that sometimes, in particular, when it doesn't make sense, I sometimes think I know better than God. But do you ever realized that God always has a plan? And so, all of a sudden, we find Cornelius. Cornelius is a Roman centurion. And unknown to Peter, God came to him in a vision as well and told him to go, what I want you to do is I want you to invite this, this, this Jewish guy into your home and I want you to gather everyone together and they're going to hear you from this Jewish guy. See, what we don't understand in this story up until this point and what's really, really important for us to realize is we miss where Peter was from when God comes to Peter. So God comes to Peter and Peter is in this little town called Jopra. Now, has anyone ever been to Jopra? No, okay, I just want to check as well. Uh, so, so Jopra is this little tiny village. And, and, and this was the same little tiny village that God came to a guy by the name of Jonah. And, and remember the story where, where jo- remember Jonah and the whale? Cool, five people remember that story. We'll go to kids' church. No, I'm joking. Uh, and so, and so Peter, God comes to Jonah and says to Jonah, what I want you to do is I want you to go to the, to the Ninian Empire, Ninian Empire, yeah, the Ninianites, and go and tell them all about the good news. But, but, but Jonah is in a place where he's going, I don't want to go because these, these the, the Ninians were, were the arch enemy of the Israelites at that time. They, were, they couldn't get any more polar opposites. They didn't want anything to do with them. They didn't want to go anywhere near them. And, and Jonah didn't want, in particular, didn't want to go to them because he knew what God wanted him to say. What God wanted him to say was that God loves you and God forgives you. And invites you into relationship with him. And, and, and yet, see, Jonah didn't want to say that because he hated, just like every other Jew, he hated them. And in fact, what he was hoping God would say is, God's going to smite you all. And he's going to kill the whole, your whole nation. But he knew what God was going to say. You see, what we would probably call Jonah is we would probably call him a racist full of prejudice. And yet here we find Peter in the same town as Jonah once was, with a similar kind of message to, to bring to, to the arch enemy, to the people that the Jews hated. And he wanted him to come to tell them that he loves them and that he sent his own son to die for them because he desperately loves them and wants a relationship with him. And and deep down inside, Peter carried prejudice because he said, I don't love them. They are our arch enemy and I've got prejudice, prejudice against them and I will not love them and I cannot love them. And you kind of imagine, it's this moment in the story. You know those pick-your-own-adventure books? You know, when you're kind of like, you're reading it along, and it kind of says, you know, this page, you turn the page, and it says, you know, if you think the story wants to go that way, then turn to page 53. And if you want it to go that way, then turn to page 27. And you kind of, for me, it's that moment in, in Peter's life where it's the pick-your-own-adventure moment. I mean, will Peter go to the arch enemy Cornelius and share the good news or will he be like Jonah and run the opposite way full of prejudice in his heart? 
So here is Peter. In the same situation, in the same place, the same city. But the good news for you and I is this. That the pork crackling convinced Peter not to listen to his prejudice, but to listen to the Holy Spirit. And so he goes to visit Cornelius. And, and what we discover is that, that Cornelius has invited everyone he knows, all those he lives, work, and laugh with, and everyone's jammed in his house. And there is people hanging out windows and filling every seat and spot in the entire house, all to hear from this. Remember, he's a Jew, and these are all not Jews. And there's all of these people all jammed in the house. This is like, this is pre-COVID times, you've got to remember that. Uh, and so they're all jammed in, in this one house. And so what we're going to read is what happens next. So Acts chapter 10, verse 34 says this. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the ones who fear him and does what is right. You know the message God sent you to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of, the, of peace through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all. You know that this happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the, after the baptism that John preached how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with his Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We all, witnessed, we all witness, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused them caused him to be seen. Verse 43, all the prophets testify about him and everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of their sins through his name. So he's Peter in a non-Jew's house, packed, and he just shared the good news of what Jesus did to a group of people that he does not like because he holds prejudice in his heart. See, what he realized in that moment and his first words in that said, you know, what he realized in his, in his heart is that there is no limit to God's forgiveness. That God's forgiveness is for everyone, everywhere. And that, that, that Peter here is, is telling them and sharing them. You know, I, I love verse uh, 34, 35. It says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation. See, who loves chocolates? It's a whole lot of fibbing people because there's not a lot of hands. Emma is so excited about liking chocolates. See, we all love chocolates. You know, it's funny, you know, we get these at Christmas time. You know, it's kind of the time of the year where, where I'm sure Cadbury makes a whole lot of money because it's like we've got work Christmas parties and staff Christmas parties and, you know, family Christmas parties. And it's like, if you can't think of anything, you just bring the favourites, yeah? And so, you know, and, and we all know that when we get the box of chocolates, what do we do? You kind of rummage through for the ones that you love the most, yeah? And you're kind of like, oh, 
oh yeah, I love this one. And, and so what we do is we go through, and then when it's kind of gone around the circle or the whatever, you know, we kind of look in and we're like, man, someone's pinched the ones that I like. So we've got like second rung. You know, the, we're going like, yeah, this isn't my favorite, but I still like it. So we, we go into that, and then eventually it gets to the bottom, and there's like four or five in the bottom, and we have a moral dilemma. And it's going like this. Do I suck it up and just eat the last ones that I don't actually like in the bottom because it's chocolate, or do we bin it? You know that moment we all go, oh, we go, oh, just eat it anyway. You know, we, we, I mean, if you look at a box of a box of these chocolates, I mean, it's full of the most random collection. I love picnics. Who's a picnic lover here? Thank you, Jesus. Uh, and so, so, but have you ever opened a picnic and thought, geez, it's a really good-looking chocolate bar? No, it is the most ugly looking chocolate bar known to anyone. You know, if you look at it, it looks like a ginormous big that's in a toilet. Yeah, come on, it does. Don't judge me. You know, it does. You know, if you look in a, you know, you go through and you go, cool. And then there's the dairy milk. You know, dairy milk. I mean, really, like it's nice, but it kind of is not that, it's not that exciting. It's really not that exciting. You know, it's really, I mean, it looks the same inside, outside, on the bottom. It tastes, you know, it's just, it's just plain old, normal, ordinary milk chocolate. And then there's this, there's this crunchy, you know, it's full of hot air. My wife often remarks and says, you are kind of like a crunchy, full of hot air, you know? And so there's, there's kind of those ones. And then there's the cherry ripes. You know, the cherries were ripe and now they may not be ripe. But, you know, there's, there's those ones. And then you've got, what's the other ones? Oh, and then you've got the personal favourite, which is in here and I can't find it. It's called the Morrow Bar. I know it's everyone's favourite one. Why? Because it's my surname. All right? Whatever. Okay. Anyway, uh, you know, and so we, we love a Morrow Bar. But really, what's a Morrow Bar? It's like a try-hard wannabe Mars Bar that didn't make the cut. It's kind of like, well, you're not quite good enough, so we'll stick a Morrow stick on the front of it. And, and, and then you kind of, you, you, you can begin to look through when there's, you know, there's the dream. Yeah, the dream. It's the wrong color. It's white. Chocolate's supposed to be brown or some shade of brown and it's white. It's the wrong color. And then you start to go through and you go, you know, there's the Turkish delight. Does anyone like Turkish delight? Kind of, Jesus, forgive them. Just, just, you know, it's a weird foreign chocolate with stuff in it that's, nasty and, and you know and there's, and there's those ones in it and then there's like there's the flake here it is the flake you know it's the chocolate that my wife hates because you open it and it's like someone put a little hand grenade in because you open it, it just goes and there's chocolate everywhere it's on my lap it's on the couch it's on my kids my dog's running off with bits of flake in its hair and you know and it's and, and we what we find is that we love chocolate and we determine our favorite types of chocolate according to its color, its shape, its ethnic origins, its, its personal, our personal taste or the past and the experiences we've had. You know what I've discovered? We do the same thing with people. We play favorites based on color, shape, ethnicity, personal experience, pain, our pasts, we pay favorites when it comes to people. You see, Peter's just like us, and he's got prejudice in his heart. And he's got prejudice in his heart until God orchestrates this moment to convince him that God doesn't have a box of favorites. This is moment where God, kind of the whole crux of it is that, that God wanted to remind, God wanted to remind Peter and he wants to remind us that God doesn't have a box 
of favourites. You see, Peter could have looked at God and go, God, why would I go to, Rome, to, to, to um, Cornelius the, the Roman? I mean, he's a Roman. He's a centurion. I mean, God, he's someone that eats pepperoni pizzas. And it, like he's, he's, he's a guy who eats poor crackling. He's, he's our arch enemy. Why would I go to someone like him? And, and, and Cornelius is sitting on this side. He's going, God, why would I want to invite in a, a, a no good uh, Roman, uh, sorry, Jewish unschooled fisherman? I mean, what has he got to tell me? I mean, do you understand the position that I hold in society? Like I am a leader of some of the armies and why would I invite an unschooled Jewish fisherman? What new bit of tidbit information has he got to tell me that I can't figure out for myself? You see, if they both listen to their hearts, if they both listen to the prejudice that was in their hearts, then they would have missed out on the blessing that God had in store for them. But this is what I love. See, this is what I love. I love the fact that as it turns out, Cornelius wasn't just any Roman. But a couple of verses before we just read, it actually talks about who Cornelius was. He was someone who was, who was kind to the poor and generous to the poor. He was someone that, that prayed fervently. He was someone that was seeking and actively seeking a relationship with his God that he'd heard rumors about. And, and, and I love the fact that over here is, is not just Peter the Jew. But, but, but he was actually someone who had been with Jesus. He was a, he was a man who, who had the hope of, of salvation. He had the hope of the world living inside of him. You know, I love the fact that he was Peter with a mandate set out by Jesus to go and tell the good news to planet Earth. But I wonder how many of us are like Peter or Cornelius. And God's simply waiting for us to overcome some of our prejudices and step out to see what God might do. You see, state the obvious, but I love our campus. You know, I love our church. You know, I love our community. You know, I look around this room and it's full of a eclectic mix of all sorts of people from all sorts of backgrounds and experiences and all sorts. And it's the thing that, that happens within a pastor is that there's a connection that happens and there's a deep desire and a love for us and for you. But, but I actually love our city. But, but can I be honest with you for a moment? I remember prior to us coming to Gateway Logan and everything that God's done here happened. I, I remember we were in a different area and, and the comments and the remarks about Logan were not quite, well, they were fairly colorful. There was a whole lot of prejudice. There was a whole lot of things that were said around the people of Logan and around this city. And I still remember the night when, when Jason, Pastor Jason said, look, hey, want to think about taking on this campus that we're going to start in Logan. Here's the address. And I remember going on a drive and it was about nine o'clock at night and I remember coming down Chambers Flat Road. And I, and I still remember the moment where I came down looking and going, okay, you know, two, two, seven, two, two, eight, two, two this is where it is. And I remember driving past and seeing a dimly lit uh, park that looks, looked a little bit shady. And then I remember seeing a, a building that was looking a little bit run down that kind of had some dimly lit lights around it. But then I remember seeing this big white fence around the whole lot and it looked like an enormous big prison. And I remember sitting there in the car going, God, surely this is not where you've called us to. 
I remember sitting there in the car, like I parked just over across the road and I looked at it. I'm just like, God, are you crazy? God, I've got to bring my family to this. We've got three little kids and this is the community they're going to be part of. And, and I'm looking at a cross at nine o'clock at night. Don't do it. It looks bad at night. And I remember sitting there going, God, I'm not sure if I can do this. See, let me be really real. There was some prejudice that I held in my heart over this city, over this church. But I just, I thank God that I didn't listen to them. You know, I thank God that, that we, we were all crazy enough to go on this journey together. I thank God because I would have, my family, my kids would have missed out on the blessing of what God has done in our church and in their lives as we embarked on this journey together. Let's jump back into the story though. Verse 24 says this, uh, 44 says this, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. They circ- the circumcised believers who came with Peter were astonished at the gift of the Holy Spirit had poured out on even Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. See, I reckon as we embark in this journey and continue this journey, if we're going to be people that are defined by no limits on our lives and on our expression of God and seeing what God's going to do, there's some things that we've got to understand. And the first one is this, that God pours out His Spirit on all people without prejudice. See, Peter and his Jewish buddies saw the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on a bunch of Gentiles. And they, and they remembered back to just a couple of weeks prior where on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell on a bunch of Jews. And they remembered what they, and they experienced, they, they remembered what they experienced, and they remembered what they saw. And then they're seeing the same thing happen here with a bunch of people that they didn't like and they held prejudice against, but they saw God do it because God loved them. And He pours out his spirit on all. And they were so astonished by what God did in his people's lives, even with the prejudice they held in their hearts. I remember when I was a, uh, a cool youth pastor back in the day, and maybe hard to remember or hard to, hard, to, hard to see, but I used to be a cool youth pastor back in Melbourne. And I still remember the day where I was sitting in my office and I had a knock on my door. And a guy came in all dressed up in a suit and he came and sat in the desk opposite me and said, hey, uh, Dave, I'd like to be a youth leader. And I sat there and I would love to say I didn't judge him at all. That's a big fat lie. Because I'm sitting there going, I'm sitting there kind of trying to be cool and he's sitting there all dressed in a suit. And now you've got to understand as well, a youth ministry was full of predominantly, no, pretty much all white kids. And, and, and this guy was dressed not only in a suit, but he was also an Asian guy. And his name was Arthur. And I remember sitting there in my office and, I, and I'm looking at him and I'm looking at, looking at the full everything of him and going, he's in a suit, I'm not in a suit, you're probably wishing I would wear a suit more often. That's not going to happen except for weddings and funerals, all right? And I don't do funerals, so we're just going to do weddings. And, and so, and so I, I'm sitting there with prejudice in my heart because I remember thinking, I just, I don't know if you're going to do it, man. I just, I didn't say this, I was somewhat smart enough, but I remember just thinking, I'm not sure if God could really use someone like him because of the context and the situation and he's wearing a suit. And, and I remember every, I reluctantly said yes. Every Friday night, Arthur would turn up to youth. He was a physio 
And Arthur would turn up in dress pants with a shirt, long sleeve shirt and a tie to youth ministry. And every Sunday and every Friday night, I'd look at him and I'd be like, But as I watch what God did through Arthur, Arthur was my best youth leader. He was far better than I was. As I watched him get around and disciple young people, as I watched him just love on young people, as I watched them start to flock to his life group and be part of his life, and he was catching up with students during the week and everything else, it, it reminded me that no matter the color of your skin or the clothes that we wear, God does and can and will use us. Because God is not prejudiced, even if I am prejudiced. The second thing we need to realize is that there's no limits. If there's no limits, then there is no place for racism in the church. See, racism, racism is, a skin pro, is not a skin problem. It's a sin problem. Racism is not a skin problem. It's a sin problem. John 3.16 says what? For God so loved all of the African people. What well, actually does say that, but it actually says this. For God so loved the world. You know, I love in, in, in Revelations chapter 7, we, we, read, this, we read this passage where, where there's a, a, a picture of what, a glimpse of what heaven is going to look like. And, and, and kind of the, the writer goes into great detail about the vision that he sees of heaven. And let me read that vision to you. After this, I looked and behold, right in front of me, I saw a vast multitude of people. So an enormous multitude, so huge that no one can count. Made up of the victorious ones from every tribe, every nation, Sorry, every nation, every tribe, every people group, and every language. And they were glistening in white robes, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, with branches, with palm branches in their hands. And they shouted out passionately and together, salvation belongs to God. Church, I love our campus and I love to see what God's doing because every Sunday I have the privilege and the honour of standing on this platform looking out at a glimpse of what heaven's going to be like and what revelation looks like. It's saying, you know what? There's a people of every nation, every tongue, every tribe. I love the fact that some of my closest friends in our church are a very different skin colour to me. And I love the fact that we get to do life together. And I don't care about what colour they skin they have like they don't care what skin color I have and yet we gather together in a church and we gather together with one thing in common and we shout passionately and together saying salvation belongs to the Lord and it's one of the reasons I am so passionate about building God's church and bringing a glimpse of heaven to earth and it's why we are so sold out for, build, for, for building a community that, it's, that shows extravagant grace and refuge for anyone and everyone who needs a home, anyone and everyone who needs help. But also, we've got to understand that there is no place for discrimination in the church. See, God isn't impressed by the school you, go, you went to or go to. He's not impressed by your financial status or how many houses you might have. He's not impressed by the clothes that you might wear or the holiday you just came back or didn't come back from or wishing you could come back from. The God doesn't care about any of the external things. In fact, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about what God really cares about. 
And it says this, without faith, it's impossible to please God. The one thing that God is most concerned about in your life and my life is our faith that we have in Jesus Christ. Not our financial status or a, or a car or anything else that we have. And lastly, there's no place for sexism in the church. Male and female, God created them equal. But unfortunately, many cultures over such a long, or in fact, all of our history, women have been treated as second-class citizens. But God does not. See, I love the fact that that Jesus crossed cultural boundaries to teach women. Jesus empowered women. In fact, Jesus invited two women to be there when, when, when he was raised from the dead. And, and Jesus empowered leader, uh, women to be leaders and to be part of the growth of his church. But when we realize that, that prejudice is in our hearts toward other people, God calls us to do our ABCs again. ABCs are this. We've got to admit prejudice in our heart. And we've got to ask forgiveness. B, we've got to build relationships with other people. And C, we've got to celebrate our diversity. You see, we've got to cheer each other on, no matter where you've come from or what country your background is. See, if we are going to live no limits, if we're going to be part of a church that lives with no limits, then we've got to take the boxes of prejudice off of our lives. We've got to get rid of them because God holds no boxes of favorites. See, this is the good news. The good news is that Jesus has no favorites, has no box. It's like, you know what? If you're in the box, you're my favorites. If you're out of the box, you're my favorites. And actually in the box, there's kind of like degrees of favoritism. Like, you know, if, you, if you're in the picnic category, then I love you more than if you're in the Turkish delight category. But actually, God has no favorites. There's no boxes of favorites in heaven. So Jesus didn't come to earth with a box of favorites going, if you're in, you're in. If you're out, well, Bad luck for you. God doesn't play favorites. But sometimes we do. I've been praying about this all week and going, God, what do you want to say as we start into a series called No No Limits, as we want to take some of the limiting factors of our lives and we want to take some of the limiting factors we, we so easily put on God. As we talked about prejudice, it poked in my life some areas of prejudice that I wrestle with. Things where, where I've held prejudice or offense or grudges or discrimination, broken relationships, whatever it might be. And the team in a few moments is going to sing a song called Freedom Reigns. What I feel God's wanting us to do this morning is simply this, is to hold out our prejudice, our offense, our grudges, our discriminations, broken relationships, whatever it might be that you carry. You know, and, and, and if you know, if, if you can, I don't know, sure. You know, as I'm talking about this, you can see people's minds flashing your, people's faces flashing your mind. And, and 
you feel pain or you feel some anger or some towards those people. And what I sense God wanting to do this morning is He's, he's wanting to do some shaking. He's wanting us to hold out our hands. And He wants to shake loose some of the discrimination, some of the prejudice, some of the hurt of the past, some of the, the different things that we wrestle with. And He's asking us, will we just stand this morning and allow Him to shake them off as we come before Him and do our ABCs? God, as we ask for forgiveness from You, as we build relationships, God, as we celebrate our diversity. God, I want to shake off some of the the prejudice that we all can so easily creep into our lives and some of the offense, some of the grudges, discrimination that's so easy. So what I'm asking you to do this morning is the team's just going to sing part of this song called Let Freedom Reign. My prayer this morning is will you let freedom reign in your life? We say, God, you know what? These, this is where I am. This is the challenges. This is the emotions. God, this is the feelings. This is the anger. This is the disappointment. And God, I need you to take these off my life. God, as I come before you and go, God, I'm sorry. God, will you forgive me? And maybe you need to make amends this week. Maybe it needs to be a text or a phone call. Or for some of you, maybe the person that's caused offense is no longer here. And so all you can do is come before God and go, God, I can't change that situation, but I can only change me. God, will you forgive? God, will you allow me to build relationships? And will you allow me to celebrate the fact that there is different people in our church and there is different people in my family and extended family and there is different people in our community? And God, help me. Give me your eyes to love people like you love people. Let freedom reign. This morning, as the team begins to sing those words, let freedom reign. Will you give to God your prejudices, offense that you carry, grudges that you carry, discriminations that you carry, whatever that looks like for you? This morning, will you hand that over to Jesus as He shakes it loose? so we can put new things in your hands. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.